0: Should weeded bourbons smell like peanuts, is Blanton's worth the hype, and does the shape of a whiskey glass really matter? What's up, guys? For those of you listening, my name is Chris, and I am the host of the Whiskey Noobs podcast, and those are just a few of the questions that we will be answering in today's Frequently Asked Question episode. This is the episode where you guys submit questions to me on my Instagram page at whiskey underscore noobs, every Wednesday when I post the question sticker to my page. So I will post a question sticker on my story. All you got to do is tap and submit a question. I save up those questions and once a month I answer them for you. So today we have quite a few and I do not want to delay any longer. So let's get to it right after our mystery whiskey review. So I am going to be drinking a whiskey, not telling you what it is, but I will give you some flavor notes and you can try to guess what it is. So as I often do with a mystery whiskey review, I am going to leave out some of the flavors that I know for sure I mentioned in that episode to just not make it super easy on you. So this one does have a very grassy, earthy note to it. Um, It's got some good earthy flavor, and it's also backed up by some nice sweetness and some pretty strong spiciness as well. And I know that's pretty vague, but I'll get a little bit more specific at the end of this episode. But without further ado, let's get to your guys' questions. So question number one, is it normal for wheated bourbons to smell and taste like peanuts? I don't want to say whether it's normal or not normal as much as I think weeded bourbons do have a distinct taste to them. The wheat gives it a specific type of sweetness. And the sweetness of the wheat usually to me is almost like a vanilla. And that vanilla may be paired with the oaky flavors from the barrel, maybe that's giving you what you attribute to peanuts. But I don't want to say whether you're right or wrong for saying that because flavor notes can be so, so subjective. A great example of this is to me, Lafroig tastes very much like the smell of leaves in the fall when they've fallen off the trees and it rains. That's really, really specific, but that's what it reminds me of. And So a lot of times, flavor notes, especially the combination of flavor notes, so the combination of what I might call uh, sweet vanilla, oakiness, and maybe, I don't know, like graham cracker or something, that combination to you might be like peanuts. So I don't want to say that you're right or wrong. I will say that I don't get nuttiness super often, and I do really enjoy the nutty flavors, um, but I definitely think I can see why you would get peanuts from it. I'm not going to say you're right or wrong. I can say because you can't really be right or wrong. That's the beauty of this. Uh, I can say whatever I want for flavor notes and not be wrong because everybody does have a different experience. That is why I always do my reviews on the show. uh, When it's a real review episode, I do my own thoughts, my own notes, my own crazy things that I think I'm smelling like leaves in the fall or peanuts. And then I say what the distillery says you should taste. That way you're getting both sides of it. So you're getting what the distiller thought, this is what I think this should taste like, and you're also getting what I'm saying, this is what this actually reminds me of. So that's why I do that, and um, I think it's really important to keep in mind that it can be subjective, but I can see why you would say peanuts. Moving on to the next question. Does adding water to cask strength slash barrel-proof whiskeys defeat the purpose of them? So for those of you listening, in case anybody doesn't know, cask strength or barrel-proof whiskey means it is a whiskey that came out of the cask or the barrel and was put into a bottle without being watered down at all. It literally goes into the bottle at the same proof it came out of the barrel, thus being called barrel-proof. And so does adding water to them defeat the purpose of them because you're then diluting it and making it lower-proof? It depends on what you think the purpose of a cask strength or barrel proof whiskey is. I want to be very careful with how I put this because for me, for the reason that I like cask strength and barrel proof whiskeys, yes it does, but also in some cases, no it doesn't. (laughs) So I like cask strength and barrel proof because I think you get more bite and I think you get more flavor with that bite. However, adding the drop of water isn't going to just water it down. It also is going to alter the experience for you. Uh, there's a lot out there about, you know, you need water to open up your whiskey and it's going to interact with the uh, guayasol, I think is how you pronounce it, that's in the whiskey going to bring some of it to the surface. I actually did an episode where we tried whiskey with and without a droplet of water and it did seem to make a difference. Now, whether that difference is just watering it down or not is hard to say, but it will change your experience and most importantly, it will help you to get another look at the profile of the whiskey from a different angle. I always think of looking at A whiskey or tasting a whiskey, learning the profile of a whiskey, I think of as you're kind of like looking at like a 3D sculpture. And you got to look at it from all these different angles. And so the the droplet of water will give you a different angle. And then the other purpose that I would say it would serve is, and I think this kind of defeats its own purpose because cask strength is always a lot more expensive, uh, but you do, since it's higher proof, if you're adding water to it to proof it down, you're getting more whiskey than just a fifth out of it. However, you're probably also paying more because it's cask strength so that that purpose doesn't really make a lot of sense to me but that could be somebody else's purpose so does it defeat the purpose a lot of times for me I will prefer not to do that because of the purpose that I prefer from my barrel proof whiskeys but I think depending on what your idea is, what you're going for, then no, it doesn't defeat the purpose. If you're like, well, I just want to try this with water in it, or maybe I prefer the way this tastes with water in it, then absolutely go for it. Drink it however you like. Um, So that's my opinion on that. I don't like to really pick apart different ways of drinking whiskey because everybody just has a different preference. Uh, So that is what I think about adding water to a barrel proof or a cask strength whiskey. I think it would defeat the purpose for me a lot of the time, but it might serve the purpose for somebody else. The next question will sadly be a quick one. Uh, Do you have any whiskey book recommendations? Unfortunately, I do not because I do not read very often. Um, I do try to read often, uh, but usually when I read, it's something very unrelated to my podcast, very unrelated to my job, very unrelated to anything like that. Um, and for example, a lot of what I read is about religion because I don't really get a lot of religion at my job or doing the podcast. I try to spread good, positive Christian vibes, but I don't obviously force my Christianity on anybody through the podcast, and I don't talk about my Christianity a lot of the podcast. So that's what I do with a lot of uh, my books. I mentioned before reading um, *Mere Christianity* by C.S. Lewis, and I actually just got *The Screwtape Letters* by C.S. Lewis, which I'm excited to read. But uh, I don't read often i don't find myself having the time to read super often maybe i should make time for it so long story short i don't have any whiskey book recommendations but i am open to whiskey book recommendations if anybody listening wants to shoot me a message and say i know you don't read a lot but i think you should read this maybe i will maybe i'll give it a try because i'm trying to read a little bit more and quit the endless scrolling on tiktok and instead read because i like to think that's a little bit better for me Unless, of course, you're watching my videos and liking them, then that's probably better for you. Okay, so the next two questions I'm going to kind of group together because they are similar. So the next one's not really a question. Uh, it says, don't get stuck on Blantons. And the story picture that had the question tag on it was a photo of a bottle of Blantons. And the next one was from that same story picture, and they said, is Blantons worth the hype? So I'm going to answer that question by responding to the person who said, don't get stuck on Blantons. Um, So I'm not stuck on Blanton's by any means. Uh, But I do think Blanton's gets a lot of a bad rep for the wrong reasons. I think, so this is kind of answering both. Is Blanton's worth the hype? No. Depending on the circle that you run in, no. Blanton's is not worth the hype. But I think Blanton's is worth the retail price. I want to say the retail is $55 in Ohio. Uh, I think it's worth $55. I think it's a very good upper-middle, depending on what your price ranges look like, upper-middle shelf uh, bottle of bourbon. I don't think it's absolutely mind-blowing. I don't think you should pay $200, $150 for it like a lot of people do. I think... It is well-priced at $55. I don't know that I would pay much more than $55 for it. Maybe if I hadn't had it in a while, you know, and I'm out of state, and so it's not state pricing, and it's like $65. Okay, maybe I will. But I would not go overboard paying for Blanton's. But that brings up a good point that I actually recently had some TikToks about because... Blanton's catches this really, really bad rep for being this bottom-shelf whiskey. I have people comment, anytime Blanton's is in one of my videos, they're like, Blanton's is bottom-shelf whiskey, Blanton's is toilet water, Blanton's is terrible. I don't think it's terrible by any means. I think it's a $55 bottle of bourbon, and I think it tastes like a $55 bottle of bourbon. But I think it is so, so, so hyped up that it could never possibly live up to the hype that it has built And when you add into that, that in other states uh, other than Ohio, you a lot of times have to pay a lot of money for it, more than the $55. I understand why people are disappointed and angry about it. But I don't think by any means it is bottom shelf whiskey. And I think it has gotten very popular to say that because, and this is what the TikTok was about, because it, at first it was edgy to say, oh, Blanton's is bottom shelf. That was like the edgy thing. And so that blows up. And then when that blows up, it becomes the norm. And that happens a lot of a lot of times with a lot of things in whiskey. I don't think uh, Blanton's deserves the hate that it gets. I just think it deserves less hype than it gets probably is the way I would want to put that. So that's my opinion on Blanton's, and I know that uh, maybe some people were wondering that because Blanton's has to be one of the more hyped-up whiskeys out there, especially uh, one of the most hyped-up bourbons out there. But moving on to the next question, uh, the next question, keeping it with the Buffalo Trace Distillery here, we've got Eagle Rare or Angel's Envy. And I like to think that the questions of this episode, or at least the next few really... Uh, demonstrate the popularity of the Buffalo Trace Distillery. But anyways, we had Blanton's, and now we've got Eagle Rare or Angel's Envy. If we're saying that I have to like totally get rid of one or the other, then I would get rid of Eagle Rare because it's so similar to Buffalo Trace. not entirely the same, but very similar. And I love, love, love Angel's Envy. And Angel's Envy is the opposite of that. It's so unique to me. Uh, So I really enjoy Angel's Envy. If you're saying I got to get rid of one of the other, uh, then I would get rid of Eagle Rare. But if you're saying like, oh, if there's one bottle of each in front of me, which one am I getting? I'm probably getting Angel's Envy mainly because I drink a lot of Buffalo Trace and Eagle Rare isn't like anything super unique to me. I don't drink, and this is just a a me thing. This is completely opinionated. I don't drink a lot of stuff that is like Angel's Envy. And so I love when I have a glass of Angel's Envy, I look forward to it. Uh, Whereas Eagle Rare, I drink Buffalo Trace. I drink Eagle Rare. uh, So I'm just used to it. And I, once again, I think Buffalo Trace is close to being as good as as Eagle Rare. And so I don't hype up Eagle Rare very much either. That's not to say it's not a good bourbon. It's really good, and it's really inexpensive at retail price. It's in the 30s for sure. I don't remember what it is, but it's in the 30s. Uh, very good drink, but Angel's Envy is also $50, at least in Ohio, and so Angel's Envy tastes like a $50 drink to me, and Eagle Rare does not, is I guess the, the moral of that story, if I could wrap that all into one sentence. Moving on to the next question, and once again, sticking with the Buffalo Trace Distillery, do I or have I had any E.H. Taylor? I do not currently have a bottle of E.H. Taylor, but I have tried it. I had the E.H. Taylor small batch. Uh, thankfully, a friend sent it to me, uh, sent me just a sample, not a bottle. Sent me a sample to try, and I really enjoyed it. And I also had tried it before Uh, But I was not in the right headspace. I had had some other drinks that night, and somebody was like, hey, you want to try H. Taylor? And I was like, yeah, for sure. Uh, But I wasn't really sitting down and doing a tasting of it like I was this most recent time. I really like D.H. Taylor. I really do still want a bottle of it. I will probably be making it a goal to try to get a bottle of it. Um, I really enjoy it, but I'm not going to pay crazy aftermarket prices or secondary market prices for it. Uh, because I, as I've mentioned before, I don't think a lot of the Buffalo Trace products are worth the secondary market prices. That's just my opinion. It's fully opinionated, but I just that's what I think. Moving on to the next question: What letter is that bottle? And that was the same photo of Blanton's. So that was asking me what letter the bottle of Blanton's is. For those of you who don't know, this might be a fun fact for you. Blanton's has a topper on it. And the topper looks like a horse. You've probably seen that before. But the, each topper has a letter on it. And you can get all of them and it spells out Blanton's. Um, and so the people try to get specific letters. The letter that I have is N. There are two N's in Blanton's. So uh, it's not necessarily a rare one. I actually don't know the lore around this. But I know that there's like specific ones that are more sought after. Specific ones that are harder to get. I don't know that because I'm not as deep into Blanton's as a lot of people are. I still enjoy it, but I'm not as deep into it as some people are. Uh, But long story short, the letter that I have on my bottle is an N. This next question is, what is my desert island bourbon? Or at least that's how I'm reading it, because they just said desert island bourbon, question mark. And I am hoping that means, what bourbon would I take with me onto a desert island if I could only have one? But I tried to double check and just make sure there's not a bourbon called like Desert Island bourbon and I couldn't find anything online so hopefully I'm not incorrect about that um, but if I had a bottle that I could take with me on the desert island if it's a desert island so here's here's the rules I'm playing by If you've seen Pirates of the Caribbean, Then you've seen where they're on the island and there's that storage of rum and there's like a ton of rum on the island. There's like this little hidden trap door and they go down there and there's all this rum. That's what I'm picturing for this bourbon. You said said bourbon specifically, so not just whiskey but bourbon. Uh, That's what I'm picturing. So in other words, I'm not paying for the bourbon. So it can be a very expensive bourbon. This is most definitely a question that will change... If you ask me again in like a month, because my favorite bourbons are always changing. My favorite whiskeys are always changing. Uh, But right now I would say my desert island bourbon is probably four roses, small batch select. If I just had an endless supply of that on a desert island, I'd be happy for a while. I think. The next question I'm pretty sure I've answered, but I'll answer it again. I don't really mind. Uh, It is, do I have a proof preference? And I remember answering rather vaguely. um, And so this person's basically asking, is there a range of proofs or alcohol by volume, percent alcohol by volume that I prefer? And I definitely answered this vaguely before. I'll answer it vaguely again, although maybe I will uh, be a little bit more specific. I like a proof that Is still tastes a little bit hot to me, still has a little bit of burn, uh, and 80 proof doesn't really do that anymore. And I want to be really, really clear that I still like a lot of 80 proof whiskeys. I still like a lot of higher proof whiskeys than what I'm about to say. But I think for me, the sweet spot is right between like 100 and 115. I know I didn't get this specific last time, but I really like like bottled and bond bourbons, uh, hundred proof. Exactly. I really like those. Um, anything between that 100 and 115 ranges is, is good. I also, like I said, there's always outliers. So I love a lot of 90 proof stuff. Buffalo trace is 90 proof. I want to say angels envy is even less than 90 proof. I don't have my glasses on, so I can't read it from here. It's over on my shelf, but I can't read it, but I do like higher proof stuff. I do like, um, Elijah Craig Barrel Proof. I love Barrel Seagrass. Those are both up near 120, if I'm not mistaken. So, it's really hard for me to say a range, but I'm just going to say, well, I love Bottled and Bond at 100 Proof. I love stuff in that 100 to 115 range. And I love a couple. There's always a couple examples below that and above that. So, I'm just going to say 100 to 115. That could change tomorrow if you ask me again, because that's just what I'm thinking right now. But it's a really good range, and I don't think there's any specific range that is the best range. I think every proof range has its merits. Uh, 80 proof. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry about it drying out my tongue. I, don't, I can eat it with a meal, and it's not going to dry out my tongue. 120 proof. Full flavor. Uh, it's totally going to probably take up my whole palate. It's going to fill my whole mouth with flavor. It's going to bite a little bit. It's going to remind me that it's a whiskey. So, <clears throat> Absolutely, there are merits to all different proof ranges, uh, but I'll say 100 to 115 just to give you an actual answer this time. Moving on to the next question. This was commented on a uh, story that had the question, you know, comment tag, and the story photo was a Yellowstone barrel pick that I have. So it's a barrel pick of Yellowstone bourbon. Uh, If you aren't familiar with it, I'll probably post a photo of it at a different time, but It's a relatively common bourbon, and Ohio did barrel picks of it recently, so I was able to get my hands on a bottle. But this person said, I saw this yesterday, referring to the Yellowstone barrel pick. How is it? And a different person actually also asked, I have a bottle of that, but I haven't tried it yet. How is it? So the thing you got to be careful with is if you got the same Ohio barrel picks that I did, um, I got one barrel pick, so I have one specific barrel. Let me grab it, and I'll actually read to you what barrel I have. So this is a bottle from a specific barrel. There are no other barrels that are going to be exactly like it, and so my bottle is going to be a little bit different from yours if you don't have this barrel. Uh, but my barrel number is 7700057, Um and that is the 115 proof pick from the most recent Ohio Yellowstone barrel picks, at least the most recent that I'm aware of. That probably was about two months ago that I got that. And to answer you, how was it? I absolutely loved it. Um, I thought the 115, once again, loved that proof range. It had just enough punch to it. had great flavor behind it. It actually is making me want to have a glass of it now, so I might after the podcast. Uh, But it is an excellent barrel pick. I was really happy. You never know if it's going to be a good barrel pick or a bad one. A lot of times they're good, especially the one upside to Ohio not having normal store picks is it's not just anybody picking out these barrels. A lot of times they'll have like actual uh, whiskey connoisseurs or whatever you want to call them uh, picking out these barrels and so it was a great barrel pick is I guess what I'm trying to say I was very happy with it once again that is the the barrel from that most recent batch which was probably May of 2022 it is the barrel that ended in 5-7 is the one that I have really enjoyed it uh, really enjoying it so far barely drank any of it because I had that glass of it and I was like I don't want to drink it down any farther yet i I enjoy having this because this is a great bottle and there will never be another bottle quite exactly like it to be clear there are a bunch of other bottles exactly like it that were sold but i got the last one so unless i find magically one that has not been sold i'll never get another bottle like it so this next question is what do i do for work i like this question thank you for asking that not that i don't love the whiskey questions but this is just changing it up a little bit and learn a little bit more about me So I'm glad to hear that you care about who I am as a person. (laughs) What I do for work is I am a mechanical engineer. I do have a degree in aerospace systems engineering, technically. Aerospace systems engineering. I kind of fumbled my way through that one. Um, The word, not the degree. Although, you could probably argue that I fumbled through the degree. I don't know. Uh, But I do have my degree in aerospace, um, which is the, the degree itself, the classes that you take, is very, very similar in mechanical engineering. Anyways, the point is um, a lot of my job opportunities were also mechanical engineering. I wasn't very picky, and so I decided to go with mechanical. I'm glad I did. I like what I do, and I didn't have to move away, which is one of the things I wasn't too sure about. I didn't have to move very far away. I didn't have to move out of state, and I am enjoying what I do right now. So it's, uh, I'm glad that I chose this career path, to be honest with you. Podcasting is not what I do for a living, as much as I would like to say that it is, because I enjoy doing this quite a bit. I enjoy doing it enough to do it after a long day of being a mechanical engineer. Uh, But I do enjoy what I do. I do enjoy the podcasting. And thank you for asking that question. So I'm a mechanical engineer. For those of you who don't know what that is, that means I I design things, mechanical things. So uh, things that move. You got civil engineers that design typically things that don't move. And I hopefully am not offending anybody by saying any of this, but Civil engineers typically design things that don't move, your large structures, uh, your bridges, your buildings, those sorts of things. Uh, mechanical engineer designs things that do move, which is can be a lot of things. Um, it can be vehicles, it can be you know like commercial vehicles, cars, trains. Uh, it can be just machinery. It can be the machines that design or that build certain products. It can be any type of moving thing, and that's what a mechanical engineer does. I'm not going to get into what specific specifically I do as a mechanical engineer, but I do enjoy what I do, and I'm appreciative of you for asking. Moving on to the next question, does the glass really matter? And I'm guessing you mean, does it matter if you drink out of a Glencairn versus a rocks glass versus a tall glass versus anything? The answer is yes, it does matter, uh, but the answer is not, oh, this one's the best one and this is what you got to do. Uh, it does matter. It does make a distinct difference. And I did an episode where we tried this. We tried a rocks glass and we tried a Glencairn and definitely makes a distinct difference, especially on the nose. It's going to have a huge, huge difference on the nose and having such a profound difference on the nose really gives a difference on the palate because you don't realize how much smelling of the whiskey you're doing when you are drinking it. And so what we noticed in that episode was that you kind of decouple the palate from the nose when you have a rocks glass or something that's not tulip-shaped like a Glencairn. You smell it, and then you taste it. And you're not really smelling it as you taste it. Whereas with a Glencairn, you get a much better nose, uh, much easier to get the notes out of. But you also, when you go to taste it, you're also smelling those notes again, which kind of gives it a different experience. No one is better than the other. Technically, uh, I prefer a Glencairn. I think you get a lot better idea of the profile of the whiskey through a tulip-shaped glass. doesn't necessarily need to be a Glencairn. That's just what I have. And I like that. I like how much the nose pops when you have a tulip-shaped glass and all those sorts of things. But I might do a blind episode coming up with the different types of glasses to really get a side-by-side without the bias of the fact that I like Glencairns. The next question is, do I like or what do I think of Blade & Bow? Have I tried it yet? Yes, I have tried it. I tried a sample that a friend gave to me in a flask, um, and I have not had more of it than that. So similar to the E.H. Taylor, I think I need to have more of it to really, really draw an opinion. But I will say that I enjoyed the flask of it that I had. I thought it was very tasty. I did not sit down and do a very technical tasting of it. I drank it out of a Glen Cairn, but it wasn't the only thing I was doing at the time. I forget what I was doing, but I know that it wasn't just sitting down and tasting it. Uh, but I will say that I enjoyed it. I thought it tasted good, and I will probably be getting myself a bottle soon. It just recently came to Ohio, if I'm not mistaken, uh, so I will be trying to get myself a bottle of it soon. I've heard great things about it, and I'm excited to try it. That was Blade & Bow, for those of you who missed the original question. The next question, will I be doing a review of Woodford Reserve or any of their various products? Uh, Yeah, I actually am thinking of one of their products I'm going to be doing a review on hopefully soon. I'll I'll add an episode for it. And I have mentioned Woodford Reserve a few times on TikTok and on Instagram. So if you haven't seen those videos, go check those out. I really like Woodford Reserve. I really think it's a well-priced bourbon and in Ohio, which is I want to say thirty-five dollars, and elsewhere it's even cheaper. And I think for less than thirty dollars, I think it's a really good bourbon. So I like Woodford Reserve. I don't think it's the best that I've ever had in my whole life, but I also enjoy it when I have it, and it's one that. I don't hesitate to have on my shelf. So I think it's pretty good, but I will do a full on review of some of their products coming up. I don't think I've had any Woodford reserve other than just the run of the mill, normal Woodford reserve. So I will try some, I'm going to do some branching out here soon. Most likely this next question, keeping with the Buffalo trace distillery, but also breaking my heart. Have I tried any of the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection, and do I own any? So for those of you who don't know, the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection is a collection of five different whiskeys that Buffalo Trace comes out with uh, once a year, and they're extremely difficult to get, and they're more expensive than the, the rest of Buffalo Trace, and they're always typically a little bit, quote-unquote, better, uh, aged longer, I believe stronger, if I'm not mistaken. And I have never had any, and I also do not have any of it. So uh, the answer to that question, the short answer is no. I would like to own some of it, but I haven't had the good fortune of coming across any of it. And once again, I try not to pay the insane secondary market prices for any of that stuff. So I don't own any, and I don't see myself coming across it anytime soon. But if I do, you guys will certainly be one of the first to know because I will be doing reviews of it, or I'll be posting videos with it at the very least. This next person asks, Angel's Envy Rye. Is it too sweet? I think so. I would not know. I haven't had Angel's Envy Rye. I plan to buy some soon. uh, Next time I see it probably, which it's hard to come by sometimes, but not impossible to come by. Uh, But I do plan to buy it because I've been wanting to try it. Everybody loves it apparently, except apparently this person thinks it's too sweet, but maybe that's why everybody loves it. Maybe it's extremely sweet. So I will try to get my hands on a bottle and give you my opinion of it. But I love Normal Angel's Envy. Uh, If you've been listening to this whole episode, then you know that I love Normal Angel's Envy. So I am excited to give the rye a try. And the next question just so happens to be about Angel's Envy as well. The next question is Penelope or Angel's Envy. Penelope Bourbon is an up-and-comer that a lot of people seem to be pretty excited about. Uh, They're a smaller distillery, and I'm excited to try from them. But I can't answer this question because I haven't tried anything of theirs yet. It's not available in Ohio currently, so I've got to try to get my hands on some of it here. At some point, I'll probably get some next time I'm out of state or something like that. Um, so I can't answer that question between Penelope or Angel's Envy. I guess if you like had a glass of each right now, I would say Penelope because I've never had it before. I've never had any of their bourbons before, any anything that they produce before. So if you had any Penelope bourbon or Angel's Envy right now in front of me, I'd pick Penelope. <laughs> but I can't tell you which one's better. Similar to the Desert Island, we've got if you had to drink one bourbon for the rest of your life, what would it be? I'm going to put a spin on this. Since I already answered the desert island question, I'm going to say that for sure for this question, I have to pay for it. So this is if I am paying out of pocket and I can only have one bourbon for the rest of my life, what would it be? I am going to add a little bit of a twist to this though. If it's the one bourbon I can have for the rest of my life, then I'm going to assume I can get my hands on it no matter what. That's going to be the <laughs> the twist I'm going to add to this. So if I could get my hands on it, the one bourbon I'd probably have for the rest of my life, I'm thinking would probably be, I just thought of something clever. So I was going to say Weller Full Proof because I did a Weller tasting recently and I loved Weller Full Proof, Um, but I, I only ever had that one glass. So I could be, you know, if I drink the whole bottle, maybe I won't like it. But I decided I can pick a single barrel bourbon and then I'm going to get a different experience with every barrel. And so I think I'm going to pick Weller single barrel, just in the spirit of the fact that Weller foolproof is what came to mind when I read that. I'm going to say Weller single barrel because the single barrel that I had was absolutely fantastic. I've heard people say they don't like it as much, which I'm guessing is dependent on which barrel you get. So since it's single barrel, I can just have that bourbon for the rest of my life, but I'll still get different experiences because it'll be different barrels. Maybe that's cheating but I don't care. That's my answer to that question. So for now, Weller Single Barrel, as always with any favorite question you ask me, that'll change if you ask me in a month. So don't be shy to ask me again. Right now I'd say Weller Single Barrel because that tasting was really good that I had of it. We are getting close to the end of our questions here, but we did have a lot this week. So thank you to everybody who submitted our questions. I am going to get through these last few of them here and then we'll round out with this mystery whiskey tasting. The next question is, what do I think of Brothers Bond? I'll keep this short and sweet because I have done a few videos on Brothers Bond, but I absolutely want to answer this because I don't want this person to have to go through all of my TikTok and Instagram to find my opinion. My opinion on Brothers Bond, I think it might be just a touch overpriced, uh, probably because it's from celebrities. It's celebrity whiskey. For those of you who don't know, Brothers Bond is created by I'm gonna I'm gonna forget their names Ian Sommerholder for sure and Paul Wesley I can't believe I remembered that uh, they are the brothers they're not actually brothers in real life but they play brothers in the vampire Diaries and I think it might be just a touch overpriced for that reason I think it is very tasty I think for the proof it is a little bit better bitey which I tend to find with some celebrity whiskeys I think it's got a little bit of a bite to it but it also has these banana notes these sweet bakery banana notes that I don't get often from other bourbons so I really enjoy it and I would recommend trying it if you're interested in trying it but I think it might just be just a touch uh, more expensive than I wish it was This next person asks, have I ever tried half Jack Daniels, half Tia Maria on ice? I call it a dirty couple. I actually had to look up what Tia Maria was because I have never heard of it, actually. Tia Maria, and this is according to Wikipedia, is a dark coffee liqueur made originally in Jamaica using Jamaican coffee beans, but is now made in Italy. So it sounds to me like basically Kahlua. Maybe that is like completely a sin to say to people who really enjoy this stuff i don't know honestly but i've never tried it i will certainly be interested in trying it now so i might be trying that here soon if it actually tastes good hopefully it actually tastes good maybe i'll actually make a a tiktok about it because that's a pretty interesting tiktok slash instagram reel about it i'm interested to try that now so maybe you'll be seeing that coming soon The next question is, have I ever bought online to avoid price gouging in my area? This will be an easy one for me because the answer is no, because I live in Ohio and Ohio controls all of the prices so they can't gouge. But I I am interested in buying online, not to avoid price gouging, uh, but to get my hands on stuff that I can't get because there's a lot of things in Ohio that you can't get because it's state-controlled liquor. So some people just straight-up don't sell here because we have strict liquor laws. Other distillers, they do sell here, but the stuff is gone the minute it touches a shelf. So I am interested in buying online. I don't have experience with it at all, basically. I've done looking into it, but... um, For the time being, I've had enough of a selection in my area that I haven't had to worry about it. But I'm likely going to look into that a bit more. The scotch selection in Ohio was terrible. Uh, Allocated bourbons, like I said, gone immediately. So I may look more into buying online. But I haven't yet. This next question is one that I have not had before. Tips on managing a glass collection. Bourbon accessories are important. I don't have specific tips for this because I don't really manage a glass collection, but I will give some opinion that hopefully is helpful to this person. Uh, Bourbon accessories are important is absolutely correct. I love bourbon accessories. I don't have a lot of different glasses. I have normal Glen Cairns, blacked out Glen Cairns for blind tastings. I have some of the neat glasses that are, I forget the name of the shape right now. It's escaping me. But they're shaped a little bit differently. I did a video on them on TikTok. Um, And then I also just have obviously rocks glasses. And then I also actually have these uh, like martini type glasses. I don't even know how to describe it, but they're that martini shape, but without a stem. I'm sure some bartender out there knows what I'm talking about and knows that it's got a specific name that I don't know. But I do have all of those types of glasses. I pretty much exclusively drink my neat whiskey out of either a Glen Cairn or a rocks glass. Um, So my My tips for managing a glass collection, uh, keep them organized because mine get mixed up constantly and then you're reaching way in the back for Glencairn. Keep them clean because you do not want to dump nice whiskey into a dusty glass. And with that, store them upside down. I even store my Glencairns upside down onto like a nice soft pad like the kind that you can stick to um, cabinets like the bottom of cabinets and it keeps the dust out but make sure it's dry when you do that you don't want to trap water in there but if it's dry then I like to store mine upside down it just seems to work for me mine also don't sit for very long or at least my Glen Cairns don't because they have a pretty quick turnover I'm using them constantly Uh, but Definitely take care of them in that kind of a way. Other than that, I don't have any tips aside from basically the same thing that I say about managing a whiskey collection. Uh, Make sure you're being financially responsible, but also enjoy the hobby and branch out and try new things, which maybe I need to start doing with my glasses a little bit. Most of my money goes to my whiskey, but maybe I need to take some time and spend some money on some different types of glasses. Last, but most certainly not least, is a question about Garrison Brothers. This person says, what is my take on Garrison Brothers? And they said they were going to the distillery this weekend to check it out. That weekend has most certainly passed. Uh, I think this was actually asked last week, so they probably went this past weekend as of the recording of this, which would be like two weekends ago as of the posting of this. Anyways, that's more information than you needed. What's important to know is Garrison Brothers is not available in Ohio. For the longest time I wanted to try it, I wasn't able to. I got a hold of the distillery. They actually were talking back and forth with me a little bit, but they couldn't even ship me a bottle because of Ohio's liquor laws and so, or maybe that's just what they told me, maybe they're like, this guy's not very popular, we're not sending him anything, I don't know, (laughs) but what's important to know is that I did finally get my hands on some of it when I was out of state, so I got one of the smaller bottles, uh, not an actual full fifth, but I think it's probably a half of a fifth, of just the normal Garrison Brothers Texas straight bourbon whiskey, just the -the run-of-the-mill stuff This has the uh, black wax on it, the Silver Star, and I tried that rather recently, actually, and I I really enjoyed it. I thought it had a very different taste to it. I didn't have enough to really put my finger on it. That's the only glass of it that I've had. I didn't have enough to really put my finger on it yet, on like what's different about it, really take some time and pull apart all the different notes. But it just had a good sweetness to it, and it had this different note that it reminded me, and I'm not sure if I put them side by side if I would think that they were similar, but it reminded me of Gentleman Jack a little bit. So I'm interested to try it again. But it definitely, I don't want to insult Garrison Brothers. And I'm not trying to insult Gentleman Jack, but Garrison Brothers is just more expensive. That's just the fact of the matter. And I don't want to make it sound like it tastes just like Gentleman Jack. It doesn't. And it seemed more complex. But it just had this note that kind of reminded me of it. So I really enjoyed it. I'm going to have another glass probably soon to really develop an opinion about it. But I'm just really glad that I was finally able to find and try Garrison Brothers. Now, that is all of the questions that we had for this episode. We had quite a few today, so thank you so much to everybody who submitted your questions. I love answering these questions. As always, you can submit those on my Instagram at whiskey underscore noobs, for those of you who missed that in the beginning of the episode. But without further ado, I'm going to finish out this episode with this mystery review. All right, so I'm slowly going to get more specific with this. Um, As I mentioned earlier, it has good sweetness followed by some good spiciness. I think I mentioned that it has solid earthy notes to it, very earthy type flavor. That's what I've said so far. Let's get a little bit more specific. This whiskey has a, I can't believe I'm going to say this, a semi-fruity, almost banana note that I have not gotten from it before. I didn't think was possible to get from it, and I think I'm getting from it right now. Maybe it's my mind playing tricks on me, or maybe it's my palate. It, for certain, has strong black pepper to it. Has almost a little bit, maybe not almost a little bit, it definitely has some citrusy lemon-lime flavor to it. It's almost like biting into a lemon that has black pepper on it. Some of you probably have narrowed it down quite specifically by now, but for those of you who haven't, it has very strong peaty notes to it, so that narrows it down to only two different whiskeys that I've had on the podcast, and I am drinking Ardbeg Tenure. Yes, we did just have this on the show, but I couldn't help myself. I wanted to try it again because I am intrigued by it. I have only pretty much had extensive experience with Laphroaig out of all the Islas, the only one that I've really had extensive experience with is Laphroaig and so I'm really intrigued by Ardbeg, how they are really different sides of the same coin, they're different tasting but they are both got strong Isla flavors that saltiness, that peatiness that little bit of medicinal flavor to it um, so I was really intrigued by it. I wanted to try it again, and I thought maybe that'd be a little bit of a curveball. Nobody would expect me to try it this soon after actually doing the review episode of it. But if you got that early, before I started reviewing the more specific stuff, then kudos to you, because uh, that's awesome. And that's why I do this, is to help your potential blind tasting skills, uh, your ability to taste something blind, and at least narrow it down to what type of whiskey it is. But without further ado, that's all that we had for this episode of Whiskey Noobs. Once again, thank you so much to everybody who submitted questions. I love answering these questions. I love being able to answer specifically what you guys want to hear me answer. So don't forget on Wednesdays to go on Instagram and send in some questions through my Instagram story. That's all we got for this episode today, though, guys. So as always, I'll leave you with learn to drink, drink to learn. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you like the show, please make sure that you tell anyone you know who you think would be interested in the hobby or in the podcast. That way we can help to spread the word and continue to grow. Please also make sure to review the show on Apple Podcasts and share our posts on Instagram at whiskey underscore noobs or on TikTok at whiskey noobs podcast. Uh, it only takes a couple of minutes and it really does a lot to help spread the word and grow the podcast. Also, there is an email list for the show. If you'd like to join, you can just send an email to whiskey noobs podcast at gmail.com and in the subject line put email list i will add you to the list and then you'll be updated every month with the whiskeys that we will be drinking on the show throughout the month that way you can drink right along with us and see if you're getting the same notes once again thank you so much for listening to the show the whiskey noobs podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol